listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 2nd of May 2023. Later, Qantas announces a new CEO, but first to the Reserve Bank, where there's been a surprise rate rise, up 25 basis points to 3.85%. It follows a pause in April and means someone with a $500,000 25-year loan will need to pay $78 per month more as a result at all the 11 rate rises we've seen since May and rate cities says it's an increase of $1,058 per month since then. For more, I spoke with Adelaide Timbrell. She's an economist at ANZ. So ANZ and most other forecasters did think the Reserve Bank would hold in May. Um, they had said in their April uh, meeting and other rhetoric that they were looking to assess the likes of monetary policy. I personally wouldn't have thought four weeks would be quite enough to assess the lags of monetary policy before hiking again. But it seems that after the latest consumer price index release showing very strong services inflation and very strong inflation of um, regarding domestic prices and domestic pressures in the economy rather than things we import shows us that, you know, there is still a lot of excess demand in the economy. The Reserve Bank has seen that in the data as well, and that's caused them to hike. What will this ultimately mean for the economy? Can borrowers afford this? Well, when we look into, you know, borrowers with debt on their own occupier property, 60% of borrowers based on Reserve Bank analysis actually have over 12 months worth of repayments either sitting in cash in a bank account or in other liquid assets like shares or managed funds. So that's telling us that for 60%, it's really not going to be something that's a make or break. Um, But for 20% of people, there are no savings buffers or very few savings buffers. And I think there will be some economic pain ahead. But we have to remember that when the Reserve Bank raises interest rates, it's saving us from the economic pain of inflation in the future. Because every time prices go up more quickly than we want them to, we see our paychecks mean less. We actually have less left over to pay back our debt anyway. The last line of the RBA statement suggested some further tightening of monetary policy may be required. Could this really mean the RBA isn't done in lifting rates? Uh, and based on our forecast at ANZ, um, the Reserve Bank isn't done. I mean, yes, inflation has come down from its peak in Q4 of 2022, but it's still sitting at really, really high levels. The Reserve Bank modelling itself doesn't see inflation coming back into the band until 2025. And given that the kinds of inflation that tell us, oh, there's actually a lot of people shopping, still a lot of spending happening in the economy that businesses can't keep up with, means there's probably more to do. So we expect another rate hike in August of 25 basis points again, bringing us to a peak of 4.1%, which is a much bigger total increase in interest rate than we've seen um, compared with previous years. Adelaide Timbrell there from ANZ and Adelaide added that ANZ expects household spending will decline in the second half of this year as a result. Now, the Australian share market did see some pretty um, big reactions, a 200 down by 0.9%, 7,267. For his take, I spoke with Matt Sherwood from Perpetual. Matt, the Reserve Bank lifted official interest rates by 25 basis points after a pause last month. To what extent was this a surprise for the markets and why? 
Uh, I think it was a major surprise to the markets. And you could see that with the increase we got, not only in the Australian dollar, but also the two-year uh, Australian government bond yield, which shot higher. Um, it was a surprise because the RBA said they wanted to uh, um, pause uh, to assess the economy. And I think what that meant now we know with the benefit of hindsight is they wanted to have a look at the March quarter of inflation, which, um, you know, which, which came out uh, not long ago. And that still came out pretty hot. Uh, the market liked it initially because inflation was coming down, but it's coming down in inches and feet, not miles. Um, and so the RBA um, is clearly uh, seeing the fact the labour market remains very tight, so they haven't been able to uh, break uh, the relationship between services, inflation and unemployment. Um, and uh, clearly they need to. Um, so, so they uh, have said that uh, not only are they increasing rates today, but there, more be, there may be the need for more increases um, further down the track. Given that, that was in the last paragraph of the RBA statement. So they're suggesting there may be more rate rises. Given the market was betting on no rate rise this month anyway, does that change the way investors like yourself perhaps look forward in terms of your investment strategy? Uh, yes, for sure, because interest rates are the governing dynamic of every asset's price. So whether it's a stock or your watch or a car or a house, you know, they're all driven by the um, by the riskless bond rate uh, plus an equity, you know, plus a uh, plus a risk premium. So if the central banks having to hike more to get inflation under control, and this is not a problem limited to Australia, I think this is a problem endemic all around the world. Uh, not only are labour markets really tight, but it almost looks like housing markets are starting to stabilise. And uh, this is what happens when unemployment remains so low and wages uh, growth continues to accelerate. That gives people more cash flow and more confidence to actually go and make those uh, larger purchases. So, you know, in, in the scheme of things, yes, it's, uh, it's critically important because it drives every financial market. Um, there are other decisions from other larger central banks as well this this week, namely the ECB, the, the US Federal Reserve. They're likely to raise interest rates there too. What do you think and what are the implications? Yeah, I think there's no doubt uh, there's going to be a uh, another Fed rate hike. Uh, but like Australia today, the market then thinks the Fed's going to get, um, you know, go on an extended pause and then cut rates. But, you know, that's not my central scenario. At the moment, I just don't think interest rates are high enough uh, to break the labour market, to get unemployment up, to create the spare capacity that we need uh, to actually um, uh, get inflation under control. And the reason for that is the fact that the framework central banks have is designed to operate a world of deficient aggregate demand, but inflation has now been driven by uh, deficient aggregate supply because the global economy is not as elastic as it used to be because of geopolitics having a big impact uh, every day, because of transitional issues around decarbonisation and technology, and also because re uh, companies are rewiring their supply chains for resilience and supply security. That tells you inflation is not going to come down quickly, and central banks, of course, are governed or are too data dependent on lagging economic data. So at the moment, they've been tossed around a bit by the resilience in the data. Uh, we think it will eventually work, but you know, cash rates need to push higher. 
The other thing I want to get from you before you go are these uh, banking concerns, uh, which uh, yep. seem to be extended. Uh, overnight, First Republic collapsed, assets sold to JP Morgan Chase. Yep. Is this still something that's concerning you? Absolutely. You know, that this to me is, is a major problem. Not only are interest rates going up, but credit is going to be progressively withdrawn from the US economy because banks are having to tighten their lending standards. Um, and they're having to do that because bank funding costs are going up, uh, because they're now facing new regulatory concerns given the turmoil we haven't seen in regional banks. Um, and they're going up because they've got ratings downgrades from, from the agencies. And those factors are all overlapping reasons why they need to be more conservative. And the challenge, I think, with uh, First Republic is that they were given a bailout not, you know, more than a month ago. Uh, they were lent, uh, lent a whole swath of money, but it just hasn't been enough to stabilise the issues in their balance sheets. And, you know, when four banks fail in the, uh, since, the, uh, since early March, the obvious question that gets asked is, who's next? Um, and one thing I can say is that whilst the uh, the Fed has uh, taken action, which I think reduces the risk of financial contagion, the thing we're going to have now is uh, impacting the economy is a much slower economic contagion driven by credit withdrawal. Um, and, you know, uh, that to me is going to increase the risk not only of recession, but also of stagflation. And what we have seen so far is simply the beginning of that process. Matt Sherwood there from Perpetual. Now to the corporate story of the day, and that's Qantas, which has announced its current CFO, Vanessa Hudson, will take over as CEO from Alan Joyce at the end of the year. For more, I spoke with Rico Merkert. He's a professor of transport at the University of Sydney Business School. Rico, is Vanessa Hudson a good choice as CEO? I think she's an excellent choice. Uh, yeah, she has a lot of experience, has been with the company for more, well, for nearly 30 years and uh, knows uh, the entire aviation supply chain here in Australia really well. What do you think of her strengths and weaknesses? I think her strengths are, again, that she's so knowledgeable that she knows the in and outs of the aviation sector here in Australia um, and also that she has a financial background. I think... Um, Qantas is facing a fa fa fairly serious challenge in terms of uh, both customer experience, but also sustainability. And both will be sort of um, sold through fleet renewal. And uh, that is an area that requires a lot of capital. And so she knows the balance sheet and the finances uh, around Qantas better than anyone else. And so I think for that reason, I think she's the perfect choice. Can we go into more detail about those challenges? What do you see as the biggest ones in the short term and the longer term? Well, in the short term, obviously, the biggest challenge is possibly restoring confidence in the market, you know, because they had some issues, particularly, you know, she is going to be the CEO of the entire group. I think there were some issues around Jetstar, um, punctuality and sort of other issues. But mid to longer term, I think the biggest elephant in the room at the moment is is the, the fleet age and so the need to re renew that fleet because it's currently on average 15 years old. Um, and uh, with that fleet renewal, they would achieve two things, uh, you know, modern aircraft and therefore enhance customer experience, but also uh, enhance sustainability because this new aircraft will emit less fuel and therefore, you know, emit less uh, emissions. And so I think that's a really positive thing, but that costs money. And so she 
you know, they need someone who is into finance and, and can attract uh, investment. And in and, 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 and that regard, I think she's, she's really a very good choice. So do you think she will be able to restore trust in Qantas? I do think so. Um, and that's not just uh, her. I think uh, there are a few positive developments that have sort of started to occur as we speak. Uh, and those are related to uh, global supply chains. There have been fairly uh, significant re- disruptions uh, in global supply chains, which also then had an impact on um, reliability of some of the aircraft of, of their fleet. And so those are slowly resolving as we speak. Uh, pent up demand is still there. So profitability yields are still looking very strong. And so I think she is, is going to have a good start. What about the timing? I would have thought that Alan Joyce would have waited to see out the completion of Project Sunrise. I agree. And uh, I was surprised myself a little bit when I, when I uh, you know, saw the news this morning. Um, uh, obviously, the, that, that, you know, the recruitment of a new CEO was going on for quite some time. And uh, uh, you know, several media outlets have uh, had reported that. But I, I, I agree, uh, you know, uh, Project Sunrise is a really wonderful project. Uh, you know, we have been involved at the early stages in that project too. And it will, you know, happen. Um, and uh, the orders have been made. And, uh, and, and, and I thought he would, you know, see it through a bit further. But, um, yeah, that obviously didn't happen. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little surprised. Um, Alan Joyce has been a polarizing figure. How would you rate his tenure as CEO? I think he has been, you know, given the circumstances, uh, has done, he has, I think he has done relatively well. Um, obviously, the airline is in relatively good shape. Uh, uh, the share price is uh, relatively uh, stable. Obviously, that also has to do with share buybacks and, and other things. Um, but the airline is, yeah, compared to, say, international peers, uh, doing relatively well financially. Um, and uh, that is to some degree attributable to him and, and his style of uh, managing the airline, looking at, you know, yields, uh, the cap- capacity discipline that they have uh, shown uh, over the last few months. I think that that was really good. Um, and so overall, obviously, there, there will be voices out there, particularly from the unions who, who might have a different view. But I think overall, you know, he's done a good job. Rika Merkert there from the University of Sydney Business School. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. (laughs) 